I think the Message Bible. And so she was reading from the Message Bible as we drove up yesterday. And she was giving me the uh, dramatized version, I think. So if you, if you see her, uh, one of the things she did when she was reading it, every time she came to the word Caesar, she would say, Caesar! <laughs> the next time you see her, you might just say, Caesar! And she would see what she does. She thought she was pretty funny. I was, I was driving. There was nothing I could do to change her way, way she did that. But uh, anyway... She also did a little, uh, so it was dramatized, but then she also kind of was embellishing a little bit. Uh, so she was reading the, para- the paraphrase of the message, and then she was kind of adding to it. So I was kind of like, I mean, I don't know what's in the Bible and what you're just adding. And what. So we called it instead of the dramatized or the embellished, embellished, we went with the drambellished inversion, the version of the Bible there. So drambellished. Anyways, we'll get on to something a little more productive here or serious. Um, so if you have your... Uh, have your Bibles. We're going to start reading just to the end of chapter 25 here, uh, starting in verse 13, I think is where Jeff left off at. And uh, we're just going to read the, to the end of the chapter here. There's really not a ton I'm going to cover from that section. Then we're going to read chapter 26 together, and there's just a few points. And really, all of chapter 26 is just uh, Paul sharing his testimony again. This is like the at least second, possibly third time, he just shares his story of how he came to faith in, in Jesus for who he really was. And um, we're going to just pull out a few tips for each one of us on sharing your story, sharing your testimony. So, um, But we got a lot of reading. Um, we'll just read it fast here. I'll try to be as dramatized as I can be. Um, but here we go, verse 13. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice traveled at, uh, arrived at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, There is a man here whom Felix left as prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. So if you just remember the scene again here, Paul, is uh, he's been on trial. Originally he was on trial with uh, Felix, who was the ruler at the time. But then they kind of was the changing of the guard, and now Festus was the new um, ruler that you know was holding Paul as a prisoner. It's always fun to think of these names. You got Festus, you got Felix, you got Agrippa, and then Bernice. We were calling her Bernie yesterday. Bernie is the King Agrippa's wife. Um, but uh, so, anyways, this, this is kind of the season. Paul's been in prison for two years now, as they just kind of forgot about him in a way, and. Uh, you know, Festus is trying to figure out what to do with him since he's now responsible for him. And so he kind of gets, seeks the advice of King Agrippa here, basically what they're doing uh, on what he should do. And goes on here, verse 16, I told them that this is not the Roman custom to hand over any man before he has faced his accusers and has had an opportunity to defend himself against their charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive. I was at a loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he'd be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. When Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. Um, there we go. Uh, anyways, uh, we'll keep going here. Sorry. 
Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, Tomorrow you will hear him. The next day Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking officers and leading men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found that he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I have decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I might have something to write. For I think it's unreasonable to send a prisoner on without specifying the charges against him. We'll continue here. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes were hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O King, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is and that is what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven first to those in Damascus, and then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so stand here to testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer. 
and as the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. They left the room, and while talking with one another, they said, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Good long section. All right. Well, next week, chapter 27. All right. Um, We're just going to pull out a few things here um, just related to sharing a testimony. Really, this whole chapter 26, again, is Paul sharing his story of coming to Christ and coming to faith in Christ and into obedience of Christ. And I'm going to start. I just have a few tips. I think it's four tips. And... um, you can write these down or try to remember them. But the first one is simply this. Be ready to share your testimony. Be ready to share your testimony at any time. Be ready. Are you ready to share? If I ask someone right now to stand up and share your testimony, could you do it? Would you do it? Let's show of hands. How many could share their testimony right now? Just for about a minute or two. A real concise version. Okay, good. We'll take volunteers. Who's um, No, we're not going to do that. So. But, but the idea is you have to be ready. And what I mean by that is you have to be really mentally prepared. One, you have to, you know, know what in the world your testimony is or how to have one. But then two, you have to be in the mindset to share your testimony. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where an opportunity came for you to share your faith and you were just like, uh, your head was not in the game? Have you ever done that? I've done that. I remember... A, one time, and it's probably it's a little embarrassing, but uh, we were uh, one of the times uh, a couple summers ago we were carrying around the big gigantic outreach cross, the three-person cross, and uh, we decided to go truck it around Boulder and join forces with Brandon and the team that was in Boulder. So we got the cross out there, and we we're doing surveys, and I was like thinking, okay, my mind is prepared to carry the big heavy cross. I can do that mentally. I'm ready for it. It's really heavy, um, but but we got it done. We went up there. We're sharing. Now, Brandon has had some practice preaching, open-air preaching like Tom Short. And he, you know, had the work of, uh, he knows how to get a crowd going and, and get, you know, a number of people. He's had a crowd on a area before that was comparable to some of the ones that Tom Short has had. So Brandon is preaching there in the Pearl Street Mall. And, uh, and there's not a big crowd there. There's a few people interacting. But after a while, you know, we're carrying the cross, and at some point... Some guy, some of you might have been there, some guy tried to walk off with the cross. Anyone remember that? It's a big, gigantic cross, and this guy was intoxicated, and all by himself, he picks it up and starts running as fast as he can with the cross, which, it's a big, he didn't run very fast, let's just say, it was real big. So we stopped, and we got our cross back, you know, um, 
But somewhere in the mix of it, you know, I get a little frazzled. I'm like, you know, the guy, I was the only one standing by the cross at the time, and he's trying to take it, and I'm tug-of-warring with him, and I was just like, well, this is really weird. You know, I know Boulder, you expect weird, but not, not stealing your own cross, you know. It's like, um, but anyways, at some point, shortly after that, Brandon was like, uh, hey, and my friend Rich wants to share, you know, his story or something like that. And I was just like... Uh, hello, you know, and I got up there, and I was not expecting that at all, and I just, I just went dumb. I just was like, you know, who am I again, Brandon? Um, what's, uh, what am I supposed to say? And I got up there, and I was literally just like, I didn't even know my own story. I was just like, it was not, I was not prepared. I was not mentally there to start sharing how I came to faith in Christ and what He'd done in my life. And it was a little embarrassing. And I don't know what I said. I mumbled for a while, and who knows what I said. But there wasn't that many people there, so that was good. And uh, some of them that were there already knew my story. But, uh, but I just wasn't prepared. But I want to encourage you guys, you, you need to be prepared to share your story. What if at work tomorrow you get put on the spot, maybe in the break room or maybe uh, some situation, and God wants you to share your story? You even have a, are you even in the ballpark with your brain to go there? Because God wants you to, on a moment's notice, be ready to share your story. Paul was in prison for two years, and I think they were like, one day they were just like, Hey, Paul, come here. Tell him your story again. And he just got up and he went and shared it. But Paul, I think, was ready to share. Not only that, he often knew what environment he was in and how to share different facets of his story that connected the most. You know, he knew he was talking to uh, a Jew. This, this King Agrippa was of Jewish background. And so he knew that he could relate to the prophets. He knew he could relate to things related to Judaism. And so he shared in that light. But, you know, we just have to be ready. We have to have our heads in the game, um, not be caught by surprise. On some more encouraging stories, sometimes on campus we get out there on Thursday, and our whole goal sometimes is just to share. So we get there semi-prepared. Um, but I've had a number of opportunities to share my testimony in like two minutes. You know, you get two minutes to share, and someone's off to class. And, and it's just... Uh, I recently, I think it was the last time we were out on campus two weeks ago, there was this guy just sitting there, and I was like, hey, how are you doing? What do you think of this question here? And uh, we had the, where will you spend eternity? And I just started asking him if he was a Christian. He thought he was. I asked him how sure he was. If he died, he'd go to heaven. He was like 75% sure. And then it looked, he started looking at his watch and looking around like he was waiting for someone. And so I just launched into my testimony. I just shared with the how, you know, I thought... Um, Jesus died for the sins of the world. I had a church background. I knew Jesus was real and had done something. And, but I told him I never really connected with Jesus died for my sins. And, uh, you know, I started talking some more. And basically just tried to bring it back around, you know, to... I asked him, did you know there's a way you can know for sure you're going to heaven? And he was kind of like, no. And then we, I had a track, gave him a track, and I was like, this verse here says you can know for sure. And he, he went on his way there. But it was just a real small opportunity. I could have dropped the ball on that real easily. But at that point, I was prepared to share my testimony. But I just want to make sure you guys are ready to share. Um, as a matter of fact, you're going to get an opportunity this morning to share, um, most likely with just your neighbor or someone like that. But we're going to do a little practice here. I hope it's to let you have some opportunity here to share in like the one-minute version of your testimony. So um, be ready. Get ready in your brain here. Be thinking about it. No, some of these next points will hopefully help you and help you do that. Um, so be ready to share your testimony in a moment's notice. Because we might put you on the spot as pastors. We just we, we figure you're all ready, you're all willing, and so we just point and go sometimes. Um, but uh, the next one here is um, be be truthful in your testimony. Be accurate in your testimony. 
Sometimes we can be tempted to embellish our story. You know, the Apostle Paul had blinding light. People fell to the ground. He had this vision. And sometimes we can go, well, my story is really not that cool. I need to put a few more bells and whistles on it. And, you know, I need to throw in some lightning comments or something. And sometimes we can go, uh, as if God needs some help, we have to puff up our story for him so that he looks better because we do that. I don't think, you know, that's obviously the wrong impression of God. If you think you've got to help him out by embellishing your story. The interesting thing here about Paul's story is that it's almost, uh, I wouldn't say word for word, it's very similar to the last time he shared his testimony in uh, Acts chapter 22. I think Jeff uh, taught on that, but there's only like a couple things that are different about it. One sentence he adds in one and another one he adds here, but it's not, none of it changes the content. None of it changes the accuracy of his story. But I think sometimes we can, we might have to watch our own sharing of our story that we can make it just seem better or we want to be relatable to someone. So all of a sudden we just, we all of a sudden find this new facet of our testimony that might not actually exist or we might not actually have thought about it too much and just start sharing because, well, God, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to give me the words. But sometimes we speak, you know, further out, out of step with the Holy Spirit. But I just want to make sure, a couple of Proverbs on this matter here to think about them. When you share your story, make sure it's accurate. Make sure it's truthful. Proverbs uh, 14 says this. Proverbs uh, it's 14:25, but it says a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. A truthful witness saves lives. When you tell your story sometimes it's honestly, accurately, simply. It says there's the ability to save lives because you're sharing your interaction with the gospel. Uh, the good news about Jesus, and the Bible's real clear that the gospel can save lives. And when you're sharing how your life was saved, you want to make sure you're doing it truthfully. You're not embellishing it. You're not adding to it. You're not um, seeing it more clearly than you actually see it. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. You don't want to be deceitful here. Um, another verse, uh, 16. The Proverbs are full of this theme, if you haven't you know, noticed before. But another one, this one, 16.13, says, Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. You know, God doesn't need you to embellish His glory and His abilities to do miracles and things like that. He just needs you to be honest. And sometimes when you're simple and honest, as the ability, God can bring great power and effect to that. Um, and so we just want to make sure we're honest about our stories. You know, I think... Um, we can all be tempted in this. Uh, sometimes when we got saved, I don't know, some of you got saved at different ages. I know um, like my wife was probably six years old when she became a Christian. Some of you were younger. Some of you were older. But I'll guarantee you this. Every one of you has probably grown in your knowledge uh, about the gospel, about what happens there. You know, there's some things when we got saved you didn't know. You know, right now after you pray to receive Christ, the doctrine of regeneration has kicked in and you are now justified, sanctified, atoned. Regenerated. How many of you knew that right after you prayed to receive Christ? Probably not a lot of you. I did not. I didn't have a clue a lot of things that happened there. But after we learn things, sometimes we retrofit our stories to go, and I remember this verse, and I got like ten verses when I got saved. Except the reality is, well, probably some of you, so like me, I, I know like one or two from, that were actually shared when I got saved. I can give you thirty verses now on the gospel, but we need to make sure we don't mix and match. You know, here's, here's the verse that touched you, you share that verse. Maybe it's a fragment of a verse. Share that. But you don't have to all of a sudden have this crystal clear clarity that you didn't act, you don't actually have because God's not going to bless that. As a matter of fact, that's deceitful and will actually cause harm. So we want to make sure we don't 
embellish, dress up our stories. Don't add fireworks if they're not there. There's simplicity. You know that God has given us each our story, and, and He can bless that. So, um, so anyway, so be ready to share. Be truthful in your testimony. Uh, the third point we have here is, um, you know, it might be might be a little obvious. Have a testimony to share. Have a testimony to share. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, as we look at Paul here, um, you know, he, he gives us a, a little bit of a format for a testimony. If you're not sure you're, you're a good format to lay out for your testimony, really, you've probably heard it before. You talk about what you were like before Christ. You know, Paul starts, ever since I was a child, talks about how he was raised in a Jewish upbringing, and just, he just kind of says how he was before. He persecuted those who called themselves Christian. Then he talks about when his eyes were open, he saw the light of Jesus as his Savior, as his Lord. This doesn't give us a, you know, every, this isn't the transcript between the Lord and Paul at the time. This is just some of the things that, um, you know, were recorded from that. But it seems like Paul came into an understanding of who Jesus really was. And um, as, a sa- as a Savior, as his Lord. And there's some things here we read of his writings later. There was, there's more than met the eye in this passage there. But that's kind of the conversion part of the story. When, did your, when were your eyes open? to Jesus as Savior, as Lord. And then he goes on there, verse 19, and then he says, after that, he says, So then, I was not disobedient to the vision that he, he had given me. And there's kind of like the before Christ, there's coming to Christ, and then there's after coming to Christ. And those are simple uh, framework for your story here. And, you know, you might say 20 seconds on what were you like before coming to Christ? What were you living for? What did you think of Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? And then you might say, well, what's gone on since then? And obviously you can use some, uh, you know, there's different things here. In Paul's story, he came to know Jesus as his Savior and his Lord instantly, together, simultaneously. Some of you might have a different story. Some of you, I know your story. Some of you might have come to Jesus as your Savior. And it might have taken a while to figure out, oh yeah, he's not only saved me, uh, he's my Lord. He's, I'm under new management. He bought me. And, and that connection might be made later in life. If that's your story, well, share it. Just like that. You don't have to say, yeah, and I changed on a dime, and the next day I was a new person, I did everything right. No, actually, I continued in sin for a while until really took Jesus as Lord. Um, and my sins were forgiven because yeah, I met Him as my Savior. But share your story as it is. It might look different. I know my wife, she became a Christian at age six, but she really felt like there was a time... Um, when she went to a leadership training time out in Myrtle Beach where she really shifted gears in her faith and her following Christ. And it went from her upbringing and, and she was saved and things, but she really took a new ownership of Jesus as her Lord and following Him personally. Maybe that's your story. Whatever it is, that's yours to share. Uh, and make sure you don't share Paul's story or someone else's story. You've got your own. Um, so we have to watch on this, have a testimony to share. I see two two errors that we can have. One error is that we embellish you know, and make it greater than it is. The other error is it's so plain that you know, Jesus is not even needed in your story. You have a story that exists without Jesus. And a lot of people can tell stories. If, if you do, you might just have a good story. What a testimony is, is a testimony to what your faith in Jesus Christ has done to your life, how it's impacted you in real ways. And a number of times I've asked people, hey, what's your testimony? And they might share it then. Jesus never showed up in their story. And you know what? If you don't have a testimony about what Jesus has done in your life, you might not yet be a Christian. You know, for the longest time, for 24 years, I called myself a Christian in many settings. 
But if I was asked my story, and I can't remember if I was, I think I was along the way, but I was just kind of like, if your answer is something like this, I've always been a Christian, um, you know what, that, that's not true. The Bible actually says you were not born a Christian, you were born a sinner, and somewhere you need to have a change of heart and receive Jesus as a Savior, even if that's five years old. Um, but if you've always been a Christian, you know what, I, I would encourage you to rethink your story. Because the, the Bible would disagree with you on that. And Jesus would disagree with you on that. If you've never had a point where you've looked to Jesus, your eyes were open to Him as your Savior, you ought to get that story. Maybe it starts today. You know. Um, uh, so we need to make sure that it's not a, a testimony that doesn't include a saving faith in Jesus Christ because that's, that's really what the story is all about. What were you like before Christ? How you, you came to Him? And what you've been like since then? And... Um, you know, I think uh, one thing to think about in that is just that, boy, if you think you've always been a Christian, you might just talk to someone and say, maybe somewhere along the way you did become a believer. But one thing I've noticed, sometimes if people just have been a Christian all their lives, one of the things that's probably not happened, they've probably never been baptized. Because baptism is just a way when you go, have come to Christ personally. What was the first thing Paul did when his eyes were open after this whole thing? He got baptized. He got baptized. It says he hadn't eaten for a number of days, and so... You know, he went, they took him to a place, and it says he grabbed a meal and then got baptized. No, if you know the story, it says he didn't even, he hadn't eaten for a number of days, and the first thing he did was get baptized. He didn't even eat at the time. Then it said he ate later. But, you know, maybe if you become a Christian somewhere along the way, you believe Jesus died for your sins, awesome. You know, your, your next step might be to get baptized. It's a way to tell people publicly. I know from my own life, when I became a Christian, I was, uh, I told people I was a Christian all my life, but eventually I was like, ah. Oh, you know, I, I really wasn't a Christian as far as, you know, the Bible thinks about all that stuff. Um, but I, I came to believe in Christ personally, that He died for my sins. And then uh, a couple days later, an opportunity to get baptized came up. And and I was, but it was a way to tell people. I was so excited to tell people, hey, now I'm a Christian. Now He's my Savior and my Lord, not just the Savior of the world and the Lord. And if you haven't been baptized, there's an opportunity next Sunday we're still working out the details. We could throw the, our cattle tank right out here by the pool. The pool is closed and they don't have a hot tub, so we're going to improvise. But probably be the cattle tank. Jeff and Grace have volunteered their yard for the cattle tank there. We might do baptisms there. But if you haven't uh, you know, gotten baptized before, if your story has existed without really turning to Christ, you know, start, start that story new today. Or, or get baptized and, and begin that. But um, anyway, so have a testimony to share that's about Jesus and what He's done in your life. Um, then the last point we're going to look at here, and we are going to still give you a chance to practice. So again, major parts of your testimony. What were you like before Christ? Who, who did you think Jesus was? Things like that. When were your eyes open to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And what has life been like since then? So we're going to give you 20 seconds on each there. Um, but then the last point here, so we have four tips here. The first one, be ready to share. In a moment's notice. Second one, be truthful, be accurate. Third one, have a testimony about Jesus, not just a good story. And then the fourth one is, um, really relates to this verse here, uh, verse 27. If you guys have your Bibles, we can look at verse 27 as we wrap things up. One of the things that's unique about Paul sharing his story this time was this this verse here. Um, he's talking to King Agrippa. He knows that Agrippa 
understands the Jewish nuances, the ins and outs, the little you know disputes in the Jewish world there. And so he's excited to be sharing with him because this you know should make sense to him. But he says, uh, verse 26, The king is familiar with these things. I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in the corner. And then he goes on to say, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. But what, what Paul really does here, he's talking to this group of people. There's King Agrippa, there's Bernice, there's uh, Felix, there's officers and commanders. But as he's sharing, he, he, he singles out one of them. And he says, King Agrippa, do you believe this? Do you believe the prophets? And really what he does, the point I want to say here is that when you're sharing your testimony, when you're sharing the gospel, whatever it is, put the ball in their court. Give them something they've got to respond to. You know, sometimes we can just go, well, I got my two cents in. I got, I'm done for the day. I'm not feeling guilty about not sharing my faith because I just did it. And, um, but you need to put the ball in their court. Give them something to respond to. Paul said, hey, you, uh, do you believe this? Do you believe the prophets? And, and what happens? Well, he gets a response from King Agrippa. And he says, do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And so he kind of gives the ball back to Paul. Hey, you put the ball my, I put the ball back in your court, and Paul puts the cor- ball back in his court again. And says, "Hey, um, you know, a short time or long time, I hope not only you but everyone would become a Christian. Everyone would become like I am, except for these chains." And we just need to remember when you're sharing the gospel, when you're sharing your testimony, you, you want to put the ball in their court, and you can figure out what question works best for you. You know, I've used questions from like. Um, so when you share your testimony and saying, well, this is how Jesus became my Savior and my Lord, and who's Jesus to you? And let them chew on that. Let them wrestle with that. That might keep them awake at night. Who is Jesus to you? You might use some of the other ones, the diagnostic questions like, how sure are you that if you died tonight you'd go to heaven? That's a, that's a way to put the ball in their court because then they've got to think about it and they might spit out an answer like this guy I talked to last week and he said, oh, I'm 75% sure. And it's like, ah, well, there's a way you can know 100% sure. Would you like to know it? And, and he took the track that helped him understand that, you know. And so figure out what question might work best for your story. You know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's who's Jesus to you. Maybe it's something related to, um, you know, have you ever had your life radically changed? Or, you know, um, are you saved? Um, are you forgiven? Do you understand the forgiveness, you know, of Jesus? Um, figure out. But I encourage you to get a little handle. Get, a, get your own little line that... Paul used this line, especially in, in the context of uh, a Jewish setting there, but I encourage you to get a question that, that helps you um, put the ball in their court. Um, because ultimately, you know, if you share your testimony, share the gospel, put the ball in their court, if they respond and, yeah, you know, I've kind of heard all this before, but I never really realized that Jesus died for me too. Just like you say he died for you, I never made that connection. You know, there's a way that it gives them an opportunity to respond with faith and be saved, you know. And so, um, let's see here. Quick review, and then we'll practice. Um, so, let's see. What's the first point? Be ready to share anytime. Second one is? Be accurate. Be accurate. Be truthful. Third one? Have a testimony about Jesus. And if you don't, get one. Um, and the fourth one uh, put is, is what? Put the ball in their court. You share... Put it in their court. Let them respond. Let them wrestle with it. If they get awkward or something, fine. It might be awkward enough to where they maybe change their thinking or they do something different than what they've done up to that point in life. 
and, and look to Jesus as their Savior. So, real quickly, if you have someone sitting next to you, you don't have to do this, but if you have someone sitting next to you, why don't you um, just practice? Maybe between you, you could pick one person to, to share, and not both of you have to, but maybe just do a quick testimony. What were you like before? How were your eyes open to Christ? And, and what's life been like since then? Yeah.